Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest for you today. Catherine Bell, founder of The Awaken Company, is going to be talking about the power of the pause and mindfulness training for leaders. Catherine, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and pleasure to be with you today. So nice to see you. So, for the uninitiated, tell us who you are. I am the founder of The Awakening Company, a best-selling author, as well I teach at one of the top business schools in the world, Queen's University. Uh, I and we are focused on cultivating healthy corporate cultures. Uh, so that is is our focus, is how do we build better organizations, bring the humanity back into our organizations for everything to thrive like a healthy forest. That sounds unreal. So how did you get here? How, how did you realize that leaders needed this? Because I needed it, Joel. I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible. So I'll walk you through the story. Um I and my business partner, Shahana Siddiqui, started an executive search firm a number of years ago. And uh, we wanted to do things radically differently. So I started to do research into how do I be a better leader? I also did, did my MBA at the same time. And I was like, how do I be a better leader? How do I lead differently? So we started to play in that organization. The company was called Blue Era. And it became a profit 10 in or profit 20 in Alberta, profit 200 in Canada by doing things radically differently. So we had mindfulness training. We did workshops on self-awareness. How do we be more self-aware as a team? We did stillness breaks. We had unlimited vacation. And this was over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. So while this may seem common now, this was over a decade ago. And through that process of building that organization, I walked away with all of these best practices and ended up writing a a best-selling and award-winning book called The Awakening Company. And it's all about how do entrepreneurs build healthy organizations that are not only profitable, but that they're thriving um, in terms of the humanity within their organizations. And if I could leave kind of something for you to think about, for every entrepreneur to think about, are these three pillars. How are we awakening ourselves? How are we awakening our relationships? How are we uh, awakening our organizations? So almost like it's a drop in the ocean with us being the drop. So awakening ourselves, then awakening our relationships, then awakening our organizations. And through that, alchemy happens. And through the balance between humanity, mindfulness, self-awareness, and profitability, that's where everything thrives. So, t- so typically, where do you find that leaders are or, or business owners are uh, to, to need an awakening, I guess is the best way to ask. Well, let's look at data. So we merge wisdom traditions, practical know-how, and business research. Let's look at some business research. The majority of people are disengaged. People rate the worst time of their day as their time with their bosses. And the majority of businesses don't survive past nine years. So if that's not awakening, if that's not jarring, I don't know what is. So, and for me, I'll explain one of my personal awakenings uh, was at um, Blue Era. And we had 
done a strategy session and I kind of was really focused on our vision. Like, this is our vision team. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to create. And um, then we brought a consultant in from Denmark who asked the team, you know, what's your vision? Hmm. And nobody on the team knew what it was. Epic fail on my part. And then I realized people support what they create. This is one of Margaret Wheatley's principles. So we need clear organizational vision. And the majority of organizations, when I'm meeting with the CEO, they'll say, Kath, can you take me from zero to over a billion like you did with that company? That's totally the wrong focus. Our focus has to be what business problems are we solving and in doing so, not causing any further damage to either the planet or human be- other human beings. So when we kind of shift our focus to how do we build healthy cultures, how do we build healthy organizations and solve problems, that's when everything else happens. And measure culture, Joel. Measure culture. And often organizations don't. Sure. So what would be a typical way to measure culture? Well, yeah, uh, there has to be alignment. Number one is what is your vision? Your vision is clear and that everyone in your organization can repeat it. So that could be one measure. Yeah. Like often on our team meetings, I'll say, Joel, okay, can you tell me what our vision is and what our values are and how they're correlating to what we're talking about? And the majority of people are like, I don't know what our vision is. So that's like number one. But We also have to remember, who do we have to be to get to where we want to go? I actually think it's an era of who before why. Mm -hmm. Our why is very, very, very important. And unless we know who we really are, we can never get to that why. So for organizations to look collectively at what's important to them and then bake that into their cultural metrics. So, for example, on our team, passion, playfulness, purposefulness is are our values. And we measure that in terms of who we hire and how we engage with each other and getting very clear on that so that it's more deliberate and more purposeful in how we're creating together. And it creates a totally different stream of of thought, stream of the ocean, maybe you might want to say, because then a different energy takes over because we're focused. That's another thing I would invite your listeners to do for everybody to have an aim, personal aim on top of your corporate aim. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a huge thing as as a leader in a business to when you're talking to your your team to to ask them what, what do they want out of it? Yes, to actually and to care enough. Mm. And one of the things, one small um, secret is just to begin to positively notice the people on your team. And the more you positively notice the right things they're doing, the more that creates an amplitude of the wave in terms of what you want to create. Whereas a lot of people aren't even noticed at all in their organizations. Or if they're negatively noticed, that's actually better than not being noticed at all. So one little hack Just say, you know what? Like, I love your questions. For example, I love that we're going with the flow on this. That's the type of small little hacks that every business leader can use. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I guess that's something that is relatively new to me. But when somebody says something I like, be it a member of the team or uh, someone I've met in a meeting or somebody I've met networking, to just 
acknowledge that I liked what they said. Yes. And it's that small, it's greatness is a series of small acts. So the more we can think about every day, here's a power of the pause every day. What are the smallest things we can do to enable our aim and our vision? And that goes personally, relationship wise and organizationally. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret now. Um, I like when, secrets. When, uh, when your, your one sheet landed with us about, about coming on as a guest, um, mindfulness plays a, a really big part in my life uh, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, to calm the noise of business. Uh, two, two, to deal with various mental health elements. Uh, and three, because I didn't, wasn't aware of mindfulness till I was an adult. And so it's become a, a really important tool to me. Um, talk to me about how powerful mindfulness training can be for leaders. Well, why don't we do an exercise to okay. give your listeners an actual experience of it? Okay, I'm game. And then we'll talk about some data in terms of the impact. Sure. So first, I'd like everybody on the podcast to feel your feet on the floor. Then bring, and if you're driving, don't do this. <laughs> and then put your hands in your lap. Either they can be receptive, which is open-handed, or they can be more grounded, which is hands down. Close your eyes if you feel called. And often as leaders, we're just breathing from the top part of our lungs. And that actually creates a fight or flight response. Let's do some deep belly breaths. So breathe into your belly center. Pay attention to where the air enters your nostrils or mouth. Now I'd like you to bring your attention to your right arm. Attention to your right arm. Next, bring your attention to your right leg. Attention to your right leg. Now, attention to your left leg. Attention to your left leg. Next, attention to your left arm. Attention to your left arm. Now I'd like you to bring your attention to your entire body. Attention to your entire body. And from this grounded place, let's talk about your experience of that. That's really tough. That's really tough. 
So yes. I'm immediately a lot calmer than I was three minutes ago. Mm. And what do you think that calmness has the ability to impact? I think for me right now, decision-making. So it's... Um, my perspective now compared to three minutes ago is way less um, frantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 100% one um, part of the research. What the research says is the more we practice this is the better decisions we make. Mm-hmm. The calmer we are, the more creative we are, and yet it's so opposite of our society. And in many ways, I think our society, our earth is a reflection of all of our inner worlds that it's burning up right now. And all of us, we've been going so relentlessly. And yet when we pause, something far more powerful emerges. So the invitation with every leader on this call is to begin to practice just that short exercise every day, just once a day to start. And then you can use, you know, things like every time you walk through a doorway, you breathe and you pay attention to your breath. And then that has a cascading effect for everything you do when you get to the next room. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, the presence of mind is phenomenal after an exercise like that to the point where I'm a little bit emotional I'm actually I'm actually struggling so okay and well interesting so tell me why you're struggling and why you're emotional um how honest do you want me to be okay I want you to be really honest it's important for people oh, to hear. okay okay so I mean there's a lot of people in my life that don't know this and Never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to share this on the podcast, but okay, it's only fair. Um, my my father is in prison at the moment, um, and he tried to take his own life last week. So my mind at the moment, even though I practice mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy and various techniques to calm my mind, it's very difficult to calm my mind at the moment. Um and that's the most amount of peace I've had in 10 days. Thank you for very much for sharing that. And that's an invitation for everybody. And often when I was doing this a decade ago, I would get up in front of rooms and I would literally be shaking before I would do it because it was so opposite of what our culture is. Mm-hmm. And yet I think it's mo- it's what our culture needs and You know, there are people that I know who work in prisons and do this, and it's created radical change, radical change. So thank you so much for sharing your vulnerabilities, and it's only because of your vulnerability that I shared mine. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I think think it's really important for the listeners as well that uh, I shared that because I want the leaders and the business owners listening to this not not to offer me sympathy um 
but to see that as an opportunity to find some calm when they've got stuff going on, when they need to make decisions, when they've still got the payroll to pay, that kind of thing. That's so true. Um, two weeks ago, I was presenting to uh, a whole bunch of people in the private equity field, and their um, business is relentless. It's 24 by 7 relentless. And I did a similar exercise with them. And they're like, this is so, this is what we need. And yet it feels so hard. And so just an invitation to take a moment for ourselves. Our energy is often like so out in the world. And the invitation is to come back, to come back home. Mm -hmm. And we always have this body home available to us. And when we find that home, there's nothing quite like it. It's like all of a sudden the externalities don't matter as much because the love that's here and the presence that's here is more than enough. Yeah, that's that's huge. Sorry, sorry I'm really struggling. Um, so on that point, something I, I've talked about on the podcast before is if you're a leader in a business, uh, if you're a parent, if you're whatever, if you were on a plane, you need to put your oxygen mask on first. And I think it can be misconstrued as a really selfish logic. And yet I think that's kind of what we're touching on here. Yes, it's, it's true. It's ironic because yesterday I was on a plane flying back from California and uh, they couldn't, it was too turbulent to check uh, seatbelts. Okay. So we were all responsible for each other to check each other's seatbelts who we were sitting beside. And in many ways, the invitation with what you just said is to make sure your own seatbelts on, make sure your own air mask is on, and then you can help other people. If we're not coming from that grounded place, it's very hard for us to serve uh, our aim, our visions. It's very, very challenging. Like we think, we think we have so much control, and yet we have so little control even over ourselves. Yeah, our society is. I've something I've been really pondering these days is how am I being thought? You know, how am I being thought by society? How am I being thought by my family, like my family background? How am I being thought? And a break free of that so that I can allow the creativity of the universe really run through me, mm. really kind of um, allow what's, what needs to emerge through me so that I can be a real positive force for our team and, mm. and for the world. And I can't do that unless I'm taking care of this home. Yeah, you've got to have the foundations right, or everything you do is kind of built built on sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, I think there's an invitation to realize how, to your point about the selfishness, to realize how interconnected we truly are. Mm -hmm. The seats that we're on weren't built by us. I'm assuming you didn't buy, build your own chair. No, I didn't build this one. <laughs> yeah, and in, our shirts were made by somebody else. So I think that there's an opportunity to appreciate back to that that um, description I gave of the drop in the ocean and the ripple out. That it's it's us 
it's our relationships, and it's our teams and organizations and communities. Mm. It's all interconnected. So by you, by us, by me taking care of me, I'm taking care of you. By you taking care of you, you're taking care of me. Yeah. So I'll give a clear example of that for, for business owners. When I arrive in the car park at our offices, I always do um, two minutes decompression in the car before I walk into the office. Um, the reason being, I can walk into the office with all the ideas I had on my commute and all I'm going to do is strike fear <laughs> into the team because it's it's the wrong energy. You can't just come in and say, right, we need to talk this, we need to do this, we need to do this. It It's it's frantic, it's disruptive. They've probably already planned their days. Um, where if I sit in the car, take two minutes to just calm myself down, write down the important things, and then come in, the the impact is entirely different. Mm, that is such a powerful example. And I would encourage every leader for every day to have three deliberate aims for what they want to accomplish during the day. And only three, I wouldn't suggest more because we have to allow presence and what's emerging in our teams to also come through. So Joel, I love that. And I also love your example because I often say leaders cast a long shadow mm -hmm. that who we are, what I found is that when we work with organizations, so we'd study something called the Enneagram, which I don't know if you're familiar with it mm -hmm. or not. I am, but um, I'm not sure all the listeners will be. So. Yeah, so the Enneagram is a profound roadmap for how do we be more present in our lives. And what I found from working with leaders is often their Enneagram type, both the strengths and the weaknesses of their Enneagram type, are baked within their organizations. So mm -hmm. we as leaders need to know we're casting uh, energy out into our team's field and to be really, really mindful of that. And I would encourage everybody to study both mindfulness and self-awareness. The most self-aware leaders are the most, most um, powerful and also have the most impact. So how do we as self-aware, how do we as leaders become self-aware? get to know the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a profound personality roadmap for how do we be more present in our lives. There's nine types. Identify your nine, which of the nine types you are, and then see your weaknesses, your strengths, and what you want to bring out in the world. And the reality is we have all nine types within us. Mm -hmm. So to embody all of the different types. And we have a whole bunch of free videos on our youtube channel for people to check out if they're interested sure yeah i think um something that i'm very aware of as a leader and i know i know my business partner is is you can suck the energy out of the room very quickly as the leader uh but you can also improve the energy in the room very quickly as the leader too it's and some of it can just be body language the the speed that you're talking the emphasis on your words and it it blows my mind that sometimes I can be in a great mood but if I'm not mindful of my um the way I'm projecting myself I could completely demotivate the team and incredibly unintentionally yeah <laughs> incredibly yeah. unintentionally so it gets back to having an intention when we go into our team meetings, 
when we go into having those one-on-one one-on-one conversations about feedback, let's say, is how do we, what intention are we bringing? And I also, I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck's research. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. No, no. Uh, so it's a growth mindset or closed mindset. So are we bringing the attitude of, I want to learn, mm-hmm. or are we bringing the attitude of, I already think I know how, the way it's to be done. And the more we bring the attitude of, I want to learn, the higher performing we will be. Sure. So just that simple cognitive shift is I want to learn and have an intention for the energy that you want to bring to the room. So for example, with this podcast, I thought, what are the things I really want people to hear about? So number one was intention. Number two, I really wanted people to hear an experience of mindfulness. And number three, I wanted to bring something because often People don't realize this, but our corporate cultures are built in our relationships Mm -hmm. and the strength of our relationships with people. So, for example, if somebody leaves your firm that's making $100,000, let's say, if they leave, that's a $1.2 million cost to the organization. And we know that the stronger the relationship, the less likely that person will be to leave. So building healthy relationships with people. So something I talk about in um, The Awakened Company, and we have a playbook that's coming out, is where am I putting my attention? What behaviors do I want to exhibit? And what am I committing to? So just that ABC, attention, behavior, commitment. And to really ingrain that into how do we behave? Because back to that oxygen mask, we often don't have that much control over our own behavior, let alone others' behavior. So how are we bringing our attention, behavior, and commitment to our workplace to create a different field um, from operating from? And so, for example, at Blue Arrow, one of the things we did is anybody in the organization could call a stillness break. If we felt like we were all on the flywheel of just results, 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 impact, 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 we would, anybody and anyone could call it stillness break boardroom and we just sit together for five to ten minutes and the person who called the meeting would decide um how long we sat and then when everybody left you know it created a totally different field and to what you've done and you did it so beautifully sharing your vulnerability is we've got to get uncomfortable it was terribly uncomfortable for me to do this a decade ago to like say we're going to start these practices we've got to lean into that vulnerability yeah, and I guess, what's your experience of businesses that fail to do that? Burnout, disengagement, uh, lack of commitment, high turnover, and ultimately, failure. Ultimately, yeah. and what's interesting, I think we need to think of failure differently too. Every business that kind of collapses, it's a collapse of wisdom for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's a societal issue. Yeah, it's a societal issue, and it our planet is burning out, just like we're burning out our people. The relentless pursuit of more has to stop. I think every leader needs to think about and consider how much is enough, and how are we solving business problems. It was interesting because we are. I was speaking to business school students about this, and I said, "You really need to think about how much is enough." And they were like, "Well, it, unlimited is enough." I'm like, no, not good enough. We need to really think about how much do we really need and then how much are we really contributing to society and being of benefit in our whole community. 
if we're going to solve the problems that are facing our planet. Yeah, yeah. The, and I think something I was talking this morning about is um, businesses that chase the numbers are so are so vulnerable to to collapse. Whereas, get your fundamentals right and understand your vision, and and the numbers are kind of they follow anyway. So, if you have a, a mindset of rather than a mindset of uh, what's my next financial target if you have a mindset of abundance for life so how can I make the world better today you'll be more successful anyway very much so and what the research says if we put two-thirds emphasis on our corporate culture our why our who our how and one-third on financial results that's where magic is so really the invitation though is to bring the humanity back into our organizations the humanity i can't say that enough humanity back into our organizations like we're not human doings we're human beings and our invitation is to be here and to experience the earth in fact on a physical level by us observing something it changes everything so with our teams how does really listening then affect our teammates? It affects them in a huge way. Yeah. And they know. They know. And that's, they might not consciously know, but they know if you're listening or not. Yes, they do. And when they know, they behave differently and it creates a different field for everybody to operate from. Mm. There was one CEO who I worked with, and amazing, amazing gentleman, and he was on the treadmill, so just constantly doing, not really listening, always barking orders at people. So the biggest thing for him was actually just to stop and to develop practices around when he's going to speak and when he's going to listen. And that simple shift changed everything for him. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And strangely, in sales and marketing, if if you uh, spend a lot of time on calls that may or may result in a sale, if you change the ratio from um, two to one, you talking, them listening, to one to two, you talking, them talking, you'll make way more sales. Just, just by making that flip. Yeah. So there's a very practical example of how to actually that this matters, and this is important. And let's kind of flip it a little bit. How do we listen to ourselves inside? How are we really paying attention? Yeah. Going inside of of us, because I think we'll get far more clues as to how to be in this world when we do. Amazing. So I've got a couple more questions. You've been really generous with your expertise. Thank you. Uh, these ones are a little bit more out there, but it will give people an insight into you. So the, fir the first one, what's the best mistake you've ever made? Hmm, I make lots of mistakes. Um, the best mistake I've ever made was probably the example I gave you around the vision, like totally flubbing it up where the team did not know what our vision was. Mm -hmm. 
And then watching the team come together as a result of my mistake. And for me, just the power of the learning around how important it is to get community buy-in around what you're creating together. The dance between the dance between me and and we. And I also, I don't know if this was a mistake or not, but when COVID hit, um, this wasn't a mistake. This was just serendipity. I just picked up the phone to one of my colleagues that I worked with in New York to make sure he was okay. And it began with just like, are you okay? And now as a result of that call, are you okay? We've now created a whole new line of of business for the awakened company just by checking in with each other. Yeah. And it wasn't that I didn't begin with the intention. It was just, I just wanted to make sure it was okay. Yeah. You approached him from a place of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And my last question, what's your favorite film and why? Oh my goodness. This is such a great, um, question first of all i love movies awesome everything from everything from horror to to harry potter i love them all like i always learn something from them my goodness okay i'm gonna turn this around and i don't know why this is coming to me the my favorite play okay that i've ever seen is hades town okay and it because I loved it because, um, and here I am. I'm paying attention to what's inside me right now, and that just came to me. My favorite play is Hades Town because I saw it with my colleague Rust, and it reflects that myth, that Greek myth, reflects reality, how it's joyful sometimes and absolutely rawly painful at other times. When we look back when we shouldn't have looked back. Sure. So I would invite everybody to see the movie, or not the movie, the play Hades Town. And now I will answer your question on movie. My favorite movie. Oh my goodness. All these beautiful movies come to uh, come to light. But I, I do love the Harry Potter series because it's magical and it's so creative and so out of the box. Um, and I also love like Stephen King's movies. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of complex when it comes to movies. What's your favorite movie? Oh no. Uh, so yes, (laughs) uh, my, my, this will give you some insight now. So my favorite film is, uh, a place beyond the pines. It's, uh, Ryan Gosling and Bradley Cooper. And the first half of the film, it's about two adult men and the lives that how their lives intertwine. So what one's a one's a police officer and one's a criminal. And then the film kind of stops and it starts again and it it's about their children's lives and how their lives have been positively and negatively affected by their father's behaviour. So I'll give you some based on what I said earlier in the podcast. You'll understand why that might be my favourite film. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a slow film, but I think it's like a piece of art. It's absolutely stunning, and every time you watch it, there's something new to to find. 
Mm. And that's very much like Hades Town. It's there's so many undercurrents. Mm-hmm that I've thought about that place so many times and regurgitated it so many times and seen bits of who I am and all the different characters from, you know, from Hades to, to, um, to everybody. So, yeah, I think that's a beautiful reflection. And now I'm going to watch that movie that you've suggested because I haven't seen it. And I love, I absolutely love movies in theater because I think it brings us, into different worlds that show us different aspects of who we are. Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I try my best. (laughs) A great question. So, Catherine, thank you for being an awesome guest. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Awakencompany.com, and you can find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, of course, LinkedIn, and just please sign up and join us and play with us. Uh, We aim to have really helpful content to help entrepreneurs and business leaders grow and improve and learn and develop. So yes, please sign up for our newsletter and sign up for our social media because we'd love to, to help you grow and build what you're creating and help to solve the world's biggest challenges. Awesome. Thank you for being such a brilliant guest. Uh, Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Stay Hungry podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share, leave us a review. I'll love you forever. Visit andyandjoel.com if you want to know more about our coaching. We'd love to hear from you. Take care, everyone.